clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught, caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown. Captain goes. He'll be chased and he is gone. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? Oh, are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. There's a prayer. Stop it! Oh, please! <laughs> what a catch! That's insane! That's insane! The game's final play is a Wilson lock to the end zone, which is fought for by Tate with Jennings simultaneous. Who has it? Who do they give it to? Touchdown! Welcome back to Simultaneous Catch. Because I'm on this now with you. Yeah, we're switching things up. We're trying new formations out. It's 2020, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Simultaneous Catch. I'm Adam Jeffrey Rossi. My name's Josh Lapping. We're happy and excited to be back with all of you. It's been a long time. It's been a long summer. Getting ready for some football. I cannot describe how happy I am that football is coming back. We were a little bit worried about it there for for a while. For a hot second, yeah. Um, but I'm pretty. I don't know how you feel, you know, really about it. But I'm pretty confident it's gonna happen and finish. Yeah, I'm pretty confident it's gonna happen. Um, finish. I think. I think it's probably on a pretty good track to do. So I feel like we've seen the other sports experiment with with playing, and, and obviously basketball is in its own kind of realm because it's in the bubble and everything. So they're dealing with a little bit different circumstances. Baseball had a scare there in Florida for a little bit, but they seem to be on track. And I feel like if they survive that, football will be able to overcome the challenges that they have. I just, I'm very prepared for the season to look not like anything we've ever seen before. And I feel like that's just kind of be to be expected. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we're going to see a lot of veteran teams have success this year because they'll have had sort of the, you know, they already have the shorthand or they already have the experience. And I think a lot of the rookies are going to, you know, I think we're so used to rookies walking in and having like a direct huge impact. And that's not to say some of them won't, but I really think that that's something that we're going to see this year that we haven't in years past is that it's going to take a lot of rookies a lot longer because they're not, they haven't had the time. I agree with you on that, but I actually, going off the veteran thing, like, what I am expecting to happen is, like, eventually, if, and we're not doubting that, like, anything about this pandemic is made up, but eventually it's going to catch up. Teams have been, thus far, been relatively fortunate with it. There have been some big-time players on the list and whatnot, but there are going to be times when... On a Friday, a player, uh, a Matt Stafford, gets put back on the list and isn't ready to play on Sunday. So we're going to see names that we don't know. And in a way, that's exciting for me. And I, we talked. About, I think we've talked about this before on the show, but a lot of people talk about how, you know, in ratings and people watching TV, which are going to skyrocket this year because nobody's going to games. But 
they talk about how the marquee quarterback matchups are the ones that get the biggest views. But for me, like, I love watching a game with a new unknown quarterback. Yeah, you love the like, David Blau. I think it's so exciting <laughs> to have an unknown guy that you get to watch for the first time. So, like, that's something that's exciting to me. And, I mean, it's something that I worry about um, as a Bills fan thinking that our season hinges on how well our quarterback plays. You know, I don't want to see Matt Barkley being thrown in on a Saturday when, you know what I mean, we have a game on Sunday. But, you know, that or the maybe back— maybe we'll just see NFL on Saturday. I don't know. But uh, I do think the backup quarterback is very valuable this this season. Yeah, not only the quarterback position, like you said, like that's obviously going to be extremely important. But I feel like we're going to see this from a variety of different positions uh, as traveling occurs and different things. Some stadiums are— letting fans in some are saying no so there will just be different circumstances that we see from all across the board but i think it's also going to make picking games extremely interesting it's going to make betting where like we talked about vegas on which we'd never really ever do but people who are like this team's going to win 10 games like right now we just don't know because something is going to happen where there are some circumstances that we just don't know Mm -hmm. yeah so i think that's exciting too but yeah absolutely so yeah, everybody, welcome back. We're going to get into, this year we're going to do four different season preview episodes to have some more time to talk about individual teams than we did last couple of years. Uh, so we're starting off with the NFC and AFC West this episode. But first, I got a chance to listen to our preview last year, and it was so much fun. And I wrote down the things that we got right and the things that we got wrong. And let me first just say, you know, we joke a lot about how we're wrong often on the show. We are. Everybody is. But we're a lot – give us a little more credit because there's far more that we got right than we got wrong. See, then this is – I'm very fascinated because you do this a lot more than I do. It's true. So um, I listening to our But I will say this. So. You did beat me in divisional picking. Ooh. You got you got you you got five divisions right, and I only got three. All right. Uh, Good job, Josh. Josh correctly predicted the Saints, the Packers, the Chiefs, the Texans, and the Pats as divisional winners. So you got almost the entire AFC and half of the NFC. Well, it's just because you were so high on the Falcons. So. Right. Uh, I did correctly predict though the 49ers, the Ravens, and the Eagles. So did I say Pittsburgh was going to win? You did say Pittsburgh was going to win that okay. division. Um, things we got right though, and I'm going to give myself a pat on the back. I need like a half point though because I did swap very early on to go with Philly. You did. That is true. It, it was a couple weeks in, and you were like, "No, I'm going to go with Philly." Well, so I, the reason I was proud of that one is I don't know if you remember. I said last year that, that like every year I've predicted that. NFC East, I've gotten it right in the last like five or six years, okay. which is I'm proud of that because of how much turnover happens in that division. Absolutely. So I'm very proud of that. But anyway, so I'm going to give myself a pat on the back, number one off on the things we got right for nailing the 49ers. I just want to say that at the beginning of the last year, nobody was picking the 49ers to win that division. And I not only correctly predicted that, but I also correctly predicted that it would come down to the last game between them and Seattle and that they would win. So. Just wanted to say. You're pretty awesome. Right. We both nailed the AB drama, by the way. We, we? We, yeah, so what happened in the previous episode last year was when he was first signed by the Patriots, and we both said this isn't going to end well. We both said that we, we both talked about the drama with him leaving the Raiders and all this stuff. 
you're like, this isn't going to end well. AB is going to be a problem even when he's not on the team all year, but he's not going to make it through the year. So we both we nailed that. <laughs> I, mean, I feel like that's kind of low-hanging fruit. Yeah, I'm uh, like, I, proud yeah. of that one. I will say this. I kind of want to give us both being right on the Titans. Because, yeah. and it's it, it, listen, the, the, my favorite segment, that was my favorite snippet of the episode, was that I was on my high horse about Derrick Henry and Marcus Mariota and how this defense was good and how they were going to make a run. And, and I, I said they were going to win the division. So I was wrong about Mariota. Uh, and I was wrong about them winning the division, but they did make a run. Uh, you were wrong about them making the playoffs because you said that they wouldn't. And you were wrong about Derrick Henry, but you were right about Mariota and winning the division. So, like, we both were right and wrong on that team. <laughs> I thought there was a fun team that we always go at each other after. That's so true. But we both had stuff right and both had stuff wrong. I think it's really funny, like, thinking about who you and I are as football fans, that, like, for the most part, we really are, like, pretty agreeable. But, like, there are some, like, hot-button topics that we just, like, go each other about. The Titans seem to be one of them. Yep. Uh, It's fascinating. Things that we got wrong, Adam, hilariously bad on the Falcons. Hilariously bad because Adam had him in the NFC title game. Bad. So... Although I did have the Packers there as well, so I was right about that. Um, so I have we did the five in five out segment. I feel like I remember doing that, and I feel like I did a bad job. We actually both did pretty well. Really? So on the outs, I had right on the Colts, the Rams, and the Bears. You had the Colts, the Bears, the Colts, Rams, Bears, and oh wait, no, no, we had the same. It was the same. We both said the Colts, the Rams, and the Bears were going to miss. Okay. Now, I was wrong because I also said the Seahawks and the Chiefs would miss it. Okay. And you were wrong because you also said the Ravens would miss it. Okay. So, again, there was some give and take there. But for the most part, I think we were pretty good with that. Um, On the ins, I got correct. The Bills, the 49ers, and the Packers. And Josh got correct on just the Packers. So. Okay. I didn't. I didn't include the other ones we said that were in because I said the Browns would be in, and you know we don't need to go through. We don't all, need to go through all that. Um, but yeah, for the Browns. most part, pretty good. And uh, Adam was three time Pals picks champ. So three times. Yep, three times. I've like, won three in a row. Have we done three in a row? Yeah, we've done. This is our third season of Simultaneous Catch Podcast. I just remember the last two years, to be honest. And I and I won both of them. Well, that's not a three time champion then. Oh wait, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'm predicting this year. Math. Math of money. You're right. No, two-time Pals Pick I know champ, you're definitely yeah. two times. <laughs> two-time champ. But we have been doing this for three years. Did we not do Pals Pick the first year? We always do Pals Picks. I just don't remember it. I don't. Well, because so last year... No, I do. You know, because... Well, no, yes. I, it is three-time. Because the first year was the year where we went to the Bills-Dolphins game and picked all the Isn't games. Is this our first year? Is this that, our third year of this, podcast? This is our, no, this is our fourth year. Wait. No, I'm pretty sure it's our third year. Because so we had year. the season at my old house, and our first, the second season was here. Yeah, so, so you're two, two out of two. It is two. You're yeah. Two out of two. Two. Uh, so Look our at us thinking we're all fancy, right? Three seasons, and we have two. Our so our playoffs picture: you had New Orleans, Green Bay, Dallas, and Seattle as divisional champions. So pretty good. Uh, and then you had Atlanta and Minnesota as the five and six. Okay. I had... Look, see, I was following you on the Atlanta thing. I had Green Bay, Atlanta, <laughs> Philly, 49ers, and then Dallas and New Orleans as the 5 and 6. For some reason, you never picked the AFC playoff field. Oh. It was not on the episode at all. Okay. But I had the Chargers, 
the Ravens, the Bills, and the Titans, the Pats, and the Browns. So, and then Josh's Super Bowl was also. I'm pointing this out because I want people to know how hedgy Josh is with his bets, and it's annoying that he didn't even pick an AFC team. He said it's going to be either the Pats or the Chiefs. You wouldn't even pick a team. You were like, <laughs> it'll be them, and we'll see who wins that one <laughs> and against the Saints. And then you did pick the Saints as your Super Bowl winner. Uh, and then I was rooting for Drew. But mine's even more laughable. I guess not laughable because the Pack got to the title game, but I had the Packers versus the Chargers. That right. would have been. A lot. I remember saying that would have been yeah, fun, and, and it the still Packers been winning it. Uh, then we predicted the season awards, and we went back and forth. So Josh said, "Rookie of the Year." Are you ready for this? David Montgomery. Uh, I remember because that was after we recorded. Technically, after the Thursday night opener. Yep. yep. Or it wasn't the. It was. The, it was after the opener. It was yeah. After it was Sunday night. Though. It was one of the. It was the Green Bay game, and I yeah. really was all over David Montgomery. Yep. I, you know, I actually feel that way again this year. I feel like he's going to have a good year. I do think that he can have a comeback season for sure. Adams' comeback player of the year was Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't remember who it was in real life. Um, I'm pretty sure it was a quarterback. I mean, it had to have been, right? I want to look this up. In-game stat guy. We're not going to pause for stat guy this time. We're just going to find it. I mean, I feel like Jimmy Garoppolo is not a bad pick. I don't think he actually won, but I feel like he was definitely Comeback in. player of the year. Oh, it was Ryan Tannehill. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah, I feel yeah. like if it wasn't... If... He had if it wasn't like the magical story of taking over a team that was floundering and right. doing that, I feel like I Jimmy could I think Jimmy was a finalist, but uh coach of the year, Josh said Andy Reid. Did he win that? I'm pretty sure it was <laughs> I don't remember this anymore. Oh goodness gracious, why is this slipping my head? I don't think it was Andy Reid. Well think, it should have been. I think, I think that, it was Harbaugh. I think it was Harbaugh, I was gonna say. You know, that's fair too. Um Reid was a finalist, so if we're picking finalists, then I feel like we're good. And I feel like <laughs> all the things I remember, like we went on this thing about what we how we respected Harbaugh about how like at first he was going to opt out because he, I mean we kind of hypothesized the whole thing about like how he wasn't necessarily a Lamar Jackson coach, but yep. then he reconsidered, and I feel like that's sort totally of, deserved. Absolutely. And here's where things get funny. Okay. Adams uh, Defensive Player of the Year, Tremaine Edmonds. <laughs> Because at the time, Adam was all over the Bills winning the division, which, by the way, they only lost, but they lost out by one game, but whatever. Um, Did I pick these things? No, that was, we we went back and forth. Oh, okay. We we split it half and half. We each did three. Okay. Uh, Josh's Offensive Player of the Year, Aaron Rodgers. Ooh. Adam's MVP, Aaron Rodgers. So, we didn't do great in the season awards, not getting a single one, although we got picked two finalists. So, I'm okay with that. You know, I feel like... <laughs> it's fun, though. Like I said, I'm it's okay fun to look that. back. We don't we, I don't. I, we don't get to look back often Tremaine enough. Edmonds. Yeah. Well, because I was all I over... Know. Well, because see, and I, I remember in the episode you said you were proud of me because I wasn't hedging my bets. I said the Bills were going to win the division, and I said if they're going to, they need this type of play from this player so that they, he has to win this award. And you were like, okay, I get that. So, regardless. I thought that was fun. Look back a little bit, and uh, we'll look back again next season, I'm sure, and be like, wow, we were wrong. Except I'm not going to be wrong. Well, we'll see. Let's go into the divisional preview here. Yeah, yeah. Let's start with the toughest division in football, the NFC West. Okay. I don't know if you feel in the same way, but I think that this is – I don't want to say easily because there are a lot of tough divisions in football. The AFC North pops out to me. Uh, you know, 
things like that. But I in uh, the NFC North too. But I do think that the NFC West, if you did a poll amongst football fans, would be the consensus. Highest I, I agree with that. Uh, if not the toughest, I definitely think in the top three. I wouldn't. This is a. This I is mean, a div- like out of eight, that's not that much. But. This is a division where I'm not going to be shocked at all if any of the four teams win. I, I will mean, say that. I feel like I would be pretty shocked if Arizona outright won. Oh, so I should change my pick. I mean, you do you, man. <laughs> like, I guess it paid off with the 49. But again, like all, like I said, all of them are are really good teams. And you talk, you know, to talk about the Cardinals for a second, I guess we could start with them. But like, you know, they were a really good team last year, and they started off three and three. Or three, three, and one. So they were tough, and then they they had some injuries, and they fell off a little bit. But then they found themselves a little bit late, you know, with the trade for Kenyon Drake from Miami, and he came out guns a blazing. And then they made the huge offseason trade that we did talk about on our episode where we had Corwin on talking about the Texans trading away DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals, and they had a, a great draft uh, highlighted with guys like Isaiah Simmons at the top. So. This yeah. is a team that, like like I said, you know, you want to talk about... Some people say that every division's only as strong as, like, what their weakest team is. Or, you know, something's only as strong as what the weakest length is. And if you want to look at this division, I feel like it, you, if you're going to say the Cardinals are the worst team in this division, that they're better than any other division's worst team. Sure, that makes sense. So... I feel like that's real solid thinking. Yeah, so I just... I, I really, really like this team this year, and... This was the hardest division for me to pick, and I'm not going to pretend like I didn't toy with the idea of picking the Cardinals because I really think that the Cardinals are going to be great this year. You talk about, uh, you know, you said David Montgomery was going to rookie of the year. It was Kyler Murray in all actuality, and Kyler Murray was sensational at times last year. Yeah. So you're not going with Arizona? (laughs) No, just we're just talking about... Oh, so we're just talking about the Cardinals right now? Yeah. Okay, yeah. No, I... I know we talked about it a while ago, and it was a while ago now, because I feel like the last thing we even produced was our fantasy episode, I think. Yes, it was. Uh, so, like, thinking about, like, the Hopkins-Johnson trade and everything, like, we don't need to get logistics of, like, what Houston got in return or anything, but I, I'm a little bit weary right now, honestly. The more I'm thinking about it, like, the impact that DeAndre Hopkins is going to have. I shouldn't say it that way, because I think the impact is going to be great, but I don't know if we're going to see the same level of greatness that we expect from a DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona, and I just feel like that's because in Houston, he was the guy. It didn't matter if he had two, sometimes three guys on it. He they put it up for him, and he'd show like that super sticky hand. Where I feel like in in Arizona with their air raid, it's going to be the open guy. So maybe we don't get to see like that spectacular catch all the time, week in and week out from Hopkins. He might not put up the same number of stats, which isn't meaning he's not impacting the game. But I feel like outside fans or fantasy people are going to be like, "Oh, he's not as good." So I'm starting to think that we're not going to see like Hopkins look like the consensus top three guy that I, we've always talked about. I will say this. I He had uh, two straight years with over 100 receptions. I do not think that DeAndre Hopkins gets over 100 receptions this year. Okay. But I think that his yards per catch go up. I think that that's where we're going to see the trade-off. I don't think that – because, again, like they would force-feed him the ball because Deshaun was like, well, he's the only one that I trust is going to catch it. So, you know, and Bill O'Brien loved to force feed running the ball too. But I think that 
he's going to see less receptions, but they're going to be more quality more receptions. Impactful. Exactly. Because okay. I think that when yeah, he I, gets I, hit, he'll be more open, and we know how good DeAndre is after the catch. So I think I really agree with you. I don't... I'll be curious to see like what the game plan does with all of those different pieces. I mean, like there are there are a ton of pieces. They still have Kirk. They still have Larry Fitzgerald. He keeps coming back, and uh, I love that. They still have a guy that I really love in King Butler. They took him a couple of years ago. That was a he was injured. Was really he was injured, high on. He was injured I last year. Great hands. I mean, they do have Drake. Iowa State. Was that where he went to college? I think it was Iowa. Yeah. Um, I mean, they have Drake that they got over, and, like, they still have Chase Edmonds. And, I mean, like, obviously no one's like, Chase Edmonds is the best, but, I mean, he had a game where he had four Three. rushing touchdowns. Yep. So. so Yeah, you're right. I mean, they, they've, like I said, and they, and one of their biggest things was their defense last year, and they spent a lot of draft capital on their defense, which, and they also signed some guys, too. You're talking about Jordan Phillips from Buffalo at a big year last yeah. year in the interior line. So, like, they made moves, uh, and I, like I said, I'm, it obviously would be an upset pick, but I'm not going to sit there and be like, wow, Arizona won? I really think that it's possible. And it's definitely possible. I feel like they have all the talent in the world, but I just feel like this is a team that next year, two years, like that's when it's like, oh, like this is it. Like I still feel like their little brother right now yeah. learning to, to push back on Bigger Brother, where a year yeah. or two from now they're going to be able to push back and Big Brother's going to fall a little bit more. We know that this season's going to be weird for a lot of reasons. I'm interested to see how it affects play. I, you know, I'm interested to see if there's going to be more surprise teams than not, just because of the situation, or if it really won't affect it at all. Okay. I'm very interested in that because I just think that the Cardinals. It took them a. It took them a while. What, what, what I found so encouraging about the Cardinals last year was how Cliff Kingsbury adjusted. Because he came in saying, I'm going to do exactly what I did at Texas Tech and in my career as an offensive coach. And it didn't work. Like, there were times where they had good things, but it didn't work mostly. And he adjusted midway through the season and started using different personnel. And Kyler started to come on. And they made the trade for Drake, who they said that they were actually going to target in free agency anyway this year. But they were able to trade for him midseason. And then all of a sudden, it started to work really well. And, you know, Kyler Murray is one of the only quarterbacks in history to have 3,500 passing yards and 500 rushing yards in a single season. Like, that, there's only, like, four or five guys who have ever done it, and two of them are Cam Newton. Yeah. So, like, incredible rookie season. So, I, like, legitimately, I am encouraged by the way that they adjusted and the way that they finished the season. And so I really think that, like I said, even if they're not winning the division, I still think they're pushing for a playoff spot. Well, especially, I think, with the expanded the seventh playoff, seed, yeah. that's very, very possible. Just to piggyback off of that, though, it's funny. I mean, we were just watching basketball, and we were talking about how like that's a player-driven right. well, player player league, league and everything. And, and I think that's true, but especially going off that point where I was like, I think there's going to be more fluctuation with players. I think it's going to be really a year that we see really great coaches separate themselves from, from lesser quality yeah. coaches. I mean, where they're going to be able to scheme – put their game plan in just all those different things that we're really going to see that pay a difference. That's a good point. Um, one of the things I forgot to tell you that happened in the prediction episode last year was that I was still allergic to our apartment. Oh, you did tell me that in person. <laughs> I, kept, I kept sneezing. It was funny in the episode. I remember. I'm not allergic sneeze. to it anymore as I sniff. Well, that's um, <laughs> okay. Um, so, 
Yeah, like let's talk about other teams. I mean, I guess we don't have to go through every single team. It'll be a really long episode if we do that. <laughs> but I wanted to talk about the Cardinals. Um, you know, we talk about the Rams, who we both predicted wouldn't miss last year, not because they're a bad team, but because they had a tough schedule and you know they were the hunted because they had yeah, won I mean, the so they, many years in a row. The way that they came off that Super Bowl, though, I think that's right. really impactful. Absolutely, I mean, they didn't reach the end zone. Yeah. in that Super Bowl game, and, and that's, that's tough. Just, that's a big thing. I feel like that carried over, and it did. And and they were uh, and they were hot late, and they almost made it in. I mean, they were make, a game they out. They did make a push. We and talk- I feel like I'm actually higher on them this year. I haven't done any kind of like rankings or right. or like who's gonna make it, who's not. But like this is. This is a team where I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, like they stink again. Right. They don't. Well, and, you know, we talked about a lot of people were worried about what the expanded playoff field. They're like, oh, who wants to see a seventh seed? And last year it would have been the Rams in the NFC. They would have been the seventh seed. They were that close to, to making it. And obviously in the AFC it would have been the Steelers. And, I mean, I would have enjoyed watching that, but a lot of people didn't want to watch. Mason Rudolph or Duck Hodges play, but I thought it would have been fun. I wanted to watch that defense play. Absolutely. So, but yeah, the Rams would have made it, and you know, it, it's tough to be in a division with the 49ers and the Seahawks, who both went to the playoffs, and the Seahawks, who won a game, and the 49ers, who made it all the way a play away from winning the Super Bowl. So, I mean, pretty incredible division, like I said. So, I mean, do you want to go through the other teams, or do you want to just like pick our winners here? I mean, we could talk for a brief second, but I mean, like, I have all my my stuff here. I'm ready just to roll right through that. I sure, mean, sure, sure. So who do we, so I mean, we'll inevitably talk about the other teams when we pick. But who do you have? So who do I have winning the yeah. NFC West? I had the yes. Seattle Seahawks. Okay. Uh, I feel like they're still not truly out of the clowny race. I don't think it's the best odds, but they're not out right now. It's narrowed down to three teams supposedly. Didn't these, they? I thought I read not to undercut you here, but I thought I read that they said that they were out. I mean, like, I feel like they say that, but they're not really. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Like, I feel as long as Clowney hasn't ruled out a return, it's still possible. Where, okay. like, the team's probably like, yeah, you know, we're out. That's but fair. as long as, like, there's still consideration, I feel like a player kind of has more say in that than, especially a free agent player, like, the way he is. It's not a, a trading thing or something. And if Clowney comes to the Seahawks and is like, hey, I want to play for you, more likely than not, the Seahawks are going to be like, oh, no thanks. Uh, but they they did the Jamal Adams trade. It does which, say that Clowney broke his. It says Clowney breaks his silence and remains open to signing with the Seahawks. Yeah, so, so that that is. I don't expect that. I do feel like based on the other teams that I've heard about, it's probably more likely he will go somewhere else. But as long as that door is open, I still feel like that's a good thing. Okay. And so they were only a game like, out of the division last year. Yeah, they were. They were a inches, half a yard. They were they half were a yard away. away from the division <laughs> yeah. last year, which makes me feel confident that they they know how to compete against a team like the 49ers. They showed it with the Rams before when the Rams were the super team. We talked about how they were little brother that knew how to punch big brother in the mouth. Yeah, and I just feel like oh. as long as as Russell's there in Russ, I trust. I a lot of people don't like Carroll. I do. I feel like maybe. He, doesn't do a great job of, of scheming things and with Schottenheimer, right? Yeah. It is Marty Schottenheimer. Uh, uh, like that's not always like the most exciting offensive playbook or play calling or whatnot, but I just feel like they know how to motivate their players and sometimes I feel like that's more important in a lot of different ways. And so I'm going to go with the Seahawks. I really, I trust them. I know like they lost to the Packers in the playoff, which is what I was rooting for. But like I said, like it could have been a completely different landscape if, 
if Disley or not Disley, if uh, I can't remember the tight end that caught the pass, Jacob Hollister. If Hollister had gotten just a little bit different of an angle and scored that touchdown, the playoff picture would have looked completely different. Yeah, we've certainly talked about coaching on the show, and I do think Pete lacks in the scheming area, and I think that sometimes he gets in the way of, you know, the hashtag is let Russ cook, because I do think that if they opened up their offense and let Russ do it instead of just when they needed him to make a comeback, I do think their offense would be a lot better. But you're right, like, there is an aspect of, like, players play hard for Pete Carroll because they like him, and that that that. People think that that doesn't matter, but it does. And Pete's really good at that sort of thing. So you're right. Um, this again, I I have been thinking about this division all off season. And at one point, I was going to pick the upset with the Cardinals. At one point, I was <laughs> okay. going to be like, all right, the Rams are coming back. And then another point, I was the Seahawks. And then I was the 49ers. And I really don't know how to go with this because, you know, just thinking about if we talk about what happened with the Rams, the 49ers could happen this year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Good. With their Super Bowl like hangover. Where the difference between that, sorry to undercut you now, I feel like the the greatness of the Rams was their offense, mm-hmm. where the greatness of the 49ers was their defense. And I mm-hmm. feel like that's going to carry over more a year from a year versus the offense being like, oh, man, we lost. It stinks. Absolutely. Uh, and then – you know, going to the Seahawks, like I said, I think that they're held back at times by the schemings of their offense because, again, I really believe if you let Russ go, Russ would be having these incredible... Well, what's that thing? Like, there's, like, that video of, like, Russ saying, like... Unlimited. Yeah, I don't know. What, yeah. what, what does that mean? So he, he's just being maybe, silly. But maybe they're just going to... We're about to know. see a brand new... He's going to earn his first MVP vote this year. I will... You know, is that not the craziest stat you've ever heard that he's not received a single vote in his entire career? Makes me sad. Not even one vote I mean I get that like you know the two seasons that he was in the conversation were two unanimous MVPs but still that's crazy to me um so I am gonna pick the LA Rams I so here's the thing I really think like I'm I I just they were really close last year and not only that their divisional record was pretty good against the Seahawks and the 49ers like they had beaten each team at least once and I believe in Sean McVay, and I think that Sean McVay last year, and this is interesting for me to say for a running back that I'm high on this year, was kind of stuck force-feeding Todd Gurley at times, when Todd Gurley may not have been in the best of health last year. Okay. And I think that that really stunted his offense at times. And I think that this year with having Cam Akers, Ma- Malcolm Brown, and, D- and is it Daryl Henderson or Darnell Henderson? Daryl. It's Daryl Henderson. I think that having, you know, obviously we think that Cam Akers eventually takes over for that backfield, the rookie from FSU. But I really think that, you know, having three backs that he could put in any time. And then I really I really like the pick of Van Jefferson out of Florida, the wide receiver. And I really They picked another receiver, too, in the draft that I liked. But I really think that this offense with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and – Jared Goff is going to just get better and better and another year of their defensive pieces together because last year was the year they traded for Jalen Ramsey, right? Yes. So, like I said, you know, another time they got him on an extension. So, I just, I think that this division is really going to come down to those three top teams at the end of the season in the last couple of weeks. And I'm just going to go with the coach I believe in the most out of the three of them. And it seems funny to pick the youngest one, even though Shanahan is also young. Uh, but I believe... Wait, they're younger than Kingsbury? 
Uh, I guess see, I, I know that McVeigh was the McVeigh was the youngest head coach ever in the history of the NFL. Kingsbury wasn't, but it still doesn't mean that Sean McVeigh is older. I don't know. Actually, we might have to check on that. Either. But regardless, I'm still gonna like I'm still going with with Sean McVeigh, and I'm gonna go with the Rams. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, they definitely were competitive. The thing I just thought they were such a weird team last year because mm-hmm. I remember that Thursday night game against Seattle where it was. It came down to the the missed kick mm-hmm. and everything, but there were there were games where they looked so good doing that, and then there were games that I just feel like people were like, "Oh, the Rams are playing." Yeah, and like it was like, "Oh, like <laughs> that used to be like the most exciting thing." Right, right. Um, so again, like I said, I it'd be interesting, but uh, so we didn't do what I said we were going to do and pick. Uh, we'll do it now. Uh, we were going to pick a breakout player and the best rookie. Oh, I feel like. We're still on pace. Okay, for that. okay, okay. I feel like we haven't ruined that moment. So let's let's do breakout player. Let's go ahead and pick a, a breakout player. So I actually cheated in most of my preparation for these things because I oh. have two. Oh, that's fine. Because uh, I feel like both are kind of relatively low hanging yeah. fruit. Uh, oh, my, mine is one thousand percent low hanging fruit. I just want you to know that. <laughs> because I do have one of my one of the first players I want to talk about is Kenyon Drake who we talked about coming over to Arizona midseason, right at the trade deadline, and he exploded. He was one of the best backs well, and that's from only, that time on. That's only low-hanging fruit because he kind of had a breakout at the end of last year, but that's the only time in which he's done that. So it's still a, a thing to say. And the reason I think it's the it's the only time that he's done that, I mean, he had an all right run with Miami at times, but like the thing that's ever only been in Kenyon Drake's way is Adam Gase. Nothing to do with, I mean, <laughs> even going back to, he was never a number one guy. At Alabama, he backed up Derrick Henry. He right. wasn't even the number one guy in, right. in college. Right. So now he's going to be the number one guy. They have so many weapons. They didn't do a whole lot to address their offensive line, but he ran pretty darn well behind the bad offensive line they had last year. So yeah. I'm just really excited to see what he does over a 16-game season. And so that's one of my players. The other player I have is also kind of I consider low-hanging fruit, and it's Tyler Higby. Okay. I think he's a guy that really okay. just came on strong at the end of last year. He had a great connection with Goff. I know Everett was out, and we'll see what happens with that, with him returning and whatnot. But, I mean, even if McVay finds the tools to have like a great two-tight-end system, he's going to utilize it. And I feel like Higby has just shown such a penchant for being a playmaker. They talked about they talked a lot about how they went a lot of uh, 12 personnel last year, you know, after a while and getting Higby. And, and there's another tight end on the roster, too. There's a third tight end. That there is used. a third tight but, end that I don't know his name. Um, but. And I'm just really excited to see what happens with that, though. Because yeah. if, if they do go and do what you're talking about, I feel like they don't have... I don't know if they ever... I mean, like I guess Todd Gurley was like the bona fide number one offensive kind of guy. But, yeah. I mean, like they don't have a Gurley anymore. They don't have Cooks. So, I mean, like we're pretty high on Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, and they're really great talents. Obviously, they're very good professional football players. Yeah. But it's not going to be... DeAndre Hopkins in Washington anymore or right. in Houston it's going to be right. let's get all these guys going right on. well and I'm, I'm th- you gave me a great segue into my breakout player which is low hanging fruit which is Robert Woods so the reason I'm saying breakout I know he had 90 catches for 1100 yards last year only two touchdowns though so he's coming off two straight seasons of 85 plus catches and 1000 plus yards which 
are very good seasons in the NFL for receivers. But I'm calling the breakout of like over 100 catches, like 1,300 yards, and like double-digit touchdowns. That's the kind of season I see Robert Woods having. And the reason I'm calling it a breakout is because if you ask a random fan who doesn't play fantasy football, who is Robert Woods? Nobody knows who he is. You know what I mean? It's, he's certainly not a wide receiver he's that's not, talked about. He's not a wide receiver that's talked about, and I think that he should be. And this isn't just like the Buffalo homer to me because we, <laughs> we did draft Robert Woods, and I was very – I was sad when he got signed away to the Rams, which is funny because when they signed him, I was like, it's just too much money. But now I think that he's underpaid actually. But I just think, you know, Brandon Cooks is gone. It's Cup and it's Woods. And Cup is going to play that slot role, and he's also going to kind of – He's going to be sort of like the red zone receiver. He's really good in the red zone. Uh, he catches a lot of touchdowns. I think that Robin Woods is going to be Jared Goff's go-to guy, and I think that he's going to have an incredible season, and people know that we're big fantasy football guys too, and I'm very high on him as like my fifth, fourth or fifth round pick in fantasy as my wide receiver one or two. Like I think he's going to have an incredible season, and you know I think that this offense is really going to open up with being able to just hit the open guy, and Robert Woods is – has a pension of being the open guy so yeah I, I would say I would definitely say and it's interesting you know you bring up Tyler Higby because one of the podcasts that I listen to a lot is the fantasy footballers and they're big and contentious over Tyler Higby because there were so many factors that went into Higby's breakout with every other tight end being hurt yeah. and them not really knowing what to do with Gurley so like and but the stat on Tyler Higby is there have only been six tight ends in the history of the NFL that have had three straight 100-yard games, and Tyler Higby's one of them. Wow. And he did last year. So, you know, while there were a lot of factors that went into him having his breakout near the end of the year, he still is one of the, a handful of guys to do something at the tight end position. Yeah. So I also just I feel like all those factors allow you to open the door for that. Right. But when that door is open, you don't feel like, well... They right, like when, again, when like, they gave him the opportunity, he produced. So one would assume that they give him it this year, he will. I don't have any stock in Tyler Higby in any fantasy because I'm I just feel weird about it. <laughs> but you could very much be right about that. That's a player where like you know we always we always have players where it's like I don't feel good about my prediction about this, and that would definitely be one of them. Is that like I don't see the the breakout breakout, but I don't feel good about saying it that. Sure. So uh, let's round it off with. Who's our best rookie in this division this year? Uh, this one was really, really hard for me because I feel like I could go four different directions. Yep. Uh, the guy, the rookie that I have is, is Cam Akers, the guy you just mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. You were talking about like their three backs. I really, as much as I liked Henderson coming out and I felt so excited when they drafted him, I feel like they kind of just closed the door on him. I feel like Some, with all the... That happens with, with rookie all, running backs. With all of the question marks that surrounded Gurley last year there were times that you could have pulled him out and put him in and they did that occasionally but just not enough where I feel like they felt comfortable with him and I feel like if they if they it's possible just not even to give him the opportunity mm-hmm. but to be like down the road we see it but then to go and make the investment of Akers a second yeah. round pick when yeah. they they're a team that don't they don't have first round picks so their second round picks are their first round picks so they drafted this guy extremely high He's a pass catcher. We mm-hmm. know McVay loves to get his backs out. And we talked and about, catch. And we, so. we talk about in the last three years, Todd Gurley's caught 154 passes, 
and Malcolm Brown and, and Henderson together caught just six last season. So yes, they needed exactly. a guy that did that. Exactly, and that just makes me feel like they don't think Henderson is that guy. Maybe we'll see him in the in, in the goal goal to go situations a little bit more. But I just it's not a player that I'm very high on. So I think that's going to open the door more for Cam Akers to be one of those rookies to really watch out for. Yeah, and that you mentioned Akers, and I mentioned Van Jefferson, the receiver for them. Like I just think that they had a really good draft. But I'm going to go more low hanging fruit, and I don't even know if I consider this low hanging fruit because a lot of people don't know how to feel about Isaiah Simmons. I have him on my it, list. It's because so. the Cardinals. So here's we talked about this that he's just a football player. Yeah. We thought it was we both thought he was going to go top five in the NFL draft because he's just that good but a lot of people don't know like where are they gonna put him and, and all this and all that and that you know you you take him in a division where you have to have a linebacker who can cover a George Kittle but who can also rush the quarterback because you have great quarterbacks in this league and Russell Wilson and Jimmy G and like you have and or I was gonna say Kyler Murray but he's at the Colonels <laughs> Russian and practice. right um but like Isaiah Simmons is a guy who can literally play anywhere on your defense. He played Absolutely. he played every single position at least. He had at least one snap at every defensive position in college, which is incredible. So, and I really think that and we I also we also made the joke that like a week after that he was drafted, they were like uh Arizona says that they don't or that they're going to play uh Isaiah Simmons in pr- primarily just the outside linebacker position. And somebody was like, yeah, because I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm going to use my weapon with this early before the season. I really think that he's we're going to see him almost everywhere on the field. And I really think that he's going to make an impact. And if, if Arizona is going to be sort of the, the upstart, upset team that I think they'll be and maybe creep into the playoffs, we haven't done our full predictions yet. So I don't I don't have that yet. I'm not going to say that yet. Yeah. But, you know, if they're going to be that kind of team, they need that kind of production. Because if you can have a guy on the one side, whether it's at the outside linebacker or defensive end position or even like a blitzing slot corner, like if you're going to have that guy on the one side and Chandler Jones on the opposite side, that's a scary combo. Yeah. So they can have that uh, and be a really threatening team to these offenses. So I would that's, – that's who I would go with. Yeah, no, I don't think – I by draft pedigree that's a low hanging right, pick but like right. I, I i agree with you i feel like that's someone i mean like there were so many people that tuned into the draft and and know him because of that and and clemson obviously was a great team last year so people might know him from from that run that they had with lawrence and everything and making it as far as they did but yeah i'm just also going to throw out jordan brooks is a is a player that I, i'm looking at uh, he went to the Seahawks and in the that first was, round, and that was a surprise pick because Patrick was, Queen was still on the board when they picked him. Yeah, and but what I want to say about that is it was a surprise pick, and a lot of people we talked about it earlier on in the year. A lot of people were like, "This was an awful draft by the Seahawks." But if there's a place that really makes me feel confident about linebackers, particularly, <laughs> it's true. Seattle, That's and he's going to have one of the very best playing right now to learn from. That's true. They're going to have him slotted next to on on the outside, on the other side from K.J. Wright, who is getting up there in age. He's actually the oldest linebacker there. Sometimes I feel like he's younger than Bobby, but Bobby's actually younger. Yeah, well, Bobby came in the same draft as Russell. Yes, and so I just feel like to learn from those guys to be out there, I feel like that's definitely a player to watch. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's uh, take a trip over to the AFC now wrap up the NFC West there and go to the AFC West. Another this, this this I wouldn't call this one like one of the toughest divisions, but this is one of the more intriguing divisions this year. I feel like that's a really great way to describe it. There's 
a lot of teams that we know have a lot of talent and certainly have the ability to take a jump this year. But it also has the defending Super Bowl champion, <laughs> MVP, Patrick Mahomes, 10-year, half-a-billion-dollar contract. So we're, let's talk about it a little bit because we have the Chargers who have all of this talent all over the field, but there's questions at the quarterback position. They drafted Justin Herbert and we've always uh, talked about the at Chargers the top of the draft. One of those teams that was like the most complete team. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I picked them last year. And then you have... You know, a team like the Raiders, who also have a ton of talent on their team. Mike Mayock and John Gruden have done a great job drafting the last couple of years. And then they add a guy like Henry Ruggs, the first receiver off the board, with guys like C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy were still on the board. And But then you have questions, is Derek Carr the guy, or, the, or is John Gruden's, Gruden's newest favorite quarterback in Marcus Mariota going to take over? No. You know what I mean? And they have a guy like Josh Jacobs, who's incredible last year, who we're both high on. You know, and then the Denver Broncos, who we talked about being a dark horse last year, Flacco could have a resurgence, and they were held tight in every game, and they had a top five defense. And then you get a young guy in Drew Locke who kind of lit it up a little bit in a couple of games at the end of last year, and then your first two picks, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, you're ready to roll. You sign Melvin Gordon, so like every one of these teams is fascinating. Yeah, it sure is. But they all have giant question marks where Kansas City does not. Yeah. So talk to me. Yeah, I mean, like you just you made it easy. I mean, like I'll just <laughs> skip all. I'll just put the butter right on. I think it's the Chiefs division. Okay. I said it last year and yeah. was as was wrong about the Patriots. I said this is. I think I said Tom Brady's world. And we're living in it right now. It's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid's world. Oh, we're yeah. living in it. Absolutely. And everything coming out about Clyde Edwards-Alaire and like how he's just going to be the next best thing. And Reid is obviously really great with his running backs. It's not a player that like I've been like, oh, like this is. But I definitely can see it just being worth all of the hype and, and and whatnot. So I I love that you said this is an extremely intriguing division. Probably not like the. It's definitely not the most physical. It's not the most talented for all of the talented players that they have there. But it definitely does present those those matchups. And things where I remember, I don't think I think the Chiefs are better than they were a few years ago with with Alex Smith, but like that was always like there were great matchups between Kansas City and Oakland when Oakland wasn't really much of anything. Like they just this is a division. All divisions know how to play each other, but I feel like the AFC West is one of those ones that they do it and no one ever talks about it. I agree. I I will say this. I think that if you put Pat Mahomes on the Chargers. The Chargers would win more games than the Chiefs this year than with Pat Mahomes. Does that make sense? Yes. Like if the Chiefs it didn't. No, yeah. <laughs> but like, I understand. Like if the Chiefs with Pat Mahomes this year wins like eleven or twelve games, if he was with the Chargers, I'd say like fourteen or fifteen. Oh, sure. That's how good. The, I feel like that makes sense. That's how good LA's roster is. So if LA gets good quarterback play from either Terod Taylor or Justin Herbert, then people need to watch out for the LA Chargers. And then you look at Drew Locke. If Drew Locke can play well. That roster is just as good as the other ones. And then you look at the... I mean, the Raiders might be a little bit less, in my opinion, than the other three teams in this division. But, like, if they get a good quarterback play, they got to be watched out for. Like, I just... I, I told you I went through a playoff predictor just before we did this just for fun. And I think I had the Raiders accidentally having 11 wins. Because, well, because, like, again, and, and I talk, we talked about this in the preview last year. I always do... Like, I always pick every team's game for, like just to kind of see. And some of them are kind of close last year, but some of them are just laughably wrong. 
Uh, but like when you go, there's something different about saying this team's going to finish this or that, and like going through every specific game and picking it. And for some reason, when I looked at every head-to-head matchup, I was like, the Raiders are going to win this game. The Raiders are going to win this game. So they're very interesting as well. But I mean, I have to pick the Chiefs. It's just, it's, I can't picture a world in which Pat Mahomes doesn't get it done. Not only did they sign Pat Mahomes, they they locked down Chris Jones for a long while and a big deal. They locked down Travis Kelsey for five more years. So like they locked down their core of this team. And it's then, kind of unfair. It's, like, it's crazy how much money. How, like they kept like it's like where does this cap space keep coming from? Like isn't the design when you do this you're not supposed to? And right. Like they really are. I think really one of the first Super Bowl teams that I can remember recently where it's like I always feel like the Super Bowl team have loses their talent because right. everyone else but like Kansas City really kept just kept everybody it. and added to it and we talk about who was my favorite running back in the draft was Clyde Edwards Alaire but like he wasn't even listed as the top running back you know what I mean a lot of people yeah until Williams that's what I thought so but well, I, I mean, like, even in the draft, he wasn't oh. even listed as, like, the best running back on a lot of people's boards. Sure. I mean, he wasn't even, when he got, when he got drafted, he wasn't like, this is our number one guy. Right. So, 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 we'll, so we'll, you know, I'm very excited for him in that offense. We talk about Andy Reid has always been good with running backs getting the load, carrying the load. And last year was sort of an anomaly because while Damian Williams was, the, the like, the starter, quote-unquote, a lot of other guys got work in that offense. Yeah, I mean, even when Shady was there, he had right. a couple. It was the first time and... that Andy Reid had never and didn't have a bell cow. So like, Clyde's going to get a lot of work. So, but yeah, it's. I mean, it's got to be the Chiefs. I, 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 I can't find, and as dramatic and bold as I can be, especially talking <laughs> about football, I can't find it in me to pick to pick a team other than the Chiefs in this division. I feel like that's fair. So who's, uh, I feel like I went the breakout player first this year. I have a very conviction one. I, I feel very confident in this answer. I just have one. So you tell me who yours are, and we'll talk about mine. Mine is on the Chiefs. Okay. And I don't want to say it. <laughs> uh, is it Byron Pringle? Yeah. Sammy Watkins. It is Sammy Watkins. Uh. <laughs> and I'm saying this for a couple of reasons. It's funny that we've done two breakout players and they're both former Bills wide receivers who played on the same team. But what I am high on about Sammy Watkins this year, and I don't have him in many fantasy leagues because I don't want to have that on my conscience, um, is that Sammy resigned for a lot less money than he could have made in the open market. Sure. And he had an incredible playoff run. He did. And... When I heard him say that he, when he he talked about, he talked to the media and he said that I, early in my career, I was so worried about getting mine and getting my numbers and all this stuff. And I think that really hurt me. He was like, now I just want to win. And it's weird to say that that's going to make him get his numbers, but I believe that. And and we we all know who Tyreek Hill is now, but like with the breakout of Sammy and everybody worrying about Tyreek and Clyde and Kelsey I feel like Sammy Watkins becomes the forgotten man in this offense who is still a number four overall pick of the draft people thought he was the best player in that 2014 draft I just really think that he's about to have a really great season because who like in an in an when you go into game plan as a defense against this team he's the fifth guy you mentioned worrying about covering and he's one of the more talented receivers we've seen come into the league. So I, I just I think that 
by virtue of default, he becomes a breakout player. Sure. You know, I really, I, I don't want to agree with you. I feel like you make <laughs> really great points and arguments about it, though. Like, the one thing that holds me back is that this this isn't the first year with the Chiefs. He's, right. he's consistently right. been that fourth option. It's, right. He had a great playoff run, and maybe that momentum will come over. Yeah. And, like, they finally got that connection. It can take time, obviously. Right. But it just, I feel like we've had the opportunity. It's going to be his third year with Kansas City. Yep. And we just really didn't see it until that playoff run Mm -hmm. and i still i feel like they're developing hardman to be that hill 2.0 they do like hardman a lot 1.5 or whatever you want to call it mini me whatever and and i just i you know maybe it's ever since he got rid of his dreads well yeah well and sammy's career has been a has been intriguing to say the least because he started off with buffalo really hot like his first two seasons in buffalo were really good like his rookie season he had nine touchdowns and his second season with tarad he had over a thousand yards and eight eight to nine touchdowns like his first two seasons were really good with buffalo and then he fell off because of due to injury and things like that and then he missed almost a full season and then he was traded away so like you know it, it, it and he disappeared for a while, and then he had the huge game week one last year. Three yeah. touchdowns. Everybody's yeah. freaking out about Sammy Watkins. And then disappeared the whole rest of the year. And then came on hot in the playoffs. But the reason that I'm big about it is because it wasn't just like he had a big Super Bowl, which he did. Or he had a big title game, which he did. Like, he had three consecutive really great games. That's really and fair. And that's why I believe in it. But you're right. Like, it, it, he's certainly burned so many people before. <laughs> and I, I get it. You know, I'm also... I was I was always a huge Sammy guy. Like, right. Like when he was in Buffalo, he went right. to that, that Dolphins game. Yeah. And he caught that a beautiful huge touchdown. And like everyone was making fun of me because I'm the Dolphins guy. I was like, guys, I, I love Sammy. Uh, right. So, right. So yeah, I'm not I'm not against it. I just feel like if if he does, I'm gonna be like good for him. Good but for at the Sammy. same time, it's just like I don't I don't see it. That's fair. But I, I'll root for it if he grows his hair back out. Because <laughs> that was my favorite Sammy. Nice. Uh, my play, my breakout player is actually from Oakland, the team that we are probably okay. the lowest on yeah. uh, in, in the division. But I am a huge fan of this player. I such a huge fan that I don't even completely know how to say his last name. But oh. I am huge on Nick uh, Kwiatkowski. I don't know how to say it. Kwiatkowski. I think it's Kwiatkowski. Kwiatkowski. Well, it spells so much stranger than yeah. something like that. But it came over as a free agent from Chicago. Yeah. So he got his he got his opportunity to start last year to show himself. I feel like Chicago is also a great team where they develop linebackers. So like just to get out there on the field due to injury. But in his eight starts last year, I have some I have some stats for you, okay? So I'm gonna be stat guy. In his eight starts last year, he had seventy six tackles, three sacks, a safety, a forced fumble, and a pick. If you project that out over a full year, that's over 150 tackles. That puts him up with the best linebackers. So the leading tackler in the league last year was Wagner, and he had, I think, 159 tackles, wow. somewhere around there. So if yeah. you project that out over the full year, he's right there. Uh, and I just feel like now being one of the guys, you know, that's obviously going to be a different thing. It's different to be a guy that comes in and is forced to play, and you have mm-hmm. a little bit less pressure on you. Mm-hmm. To be the guy you have, that I feel like there's a different scenario, a different aura around that. Yeah. But it also, I mean, if you go back to 2016, where it was his rookie year, he's only 27 years old, so it's not like they got like a guy that's north of 30. Like I feel like this is they Oakland went out and got this guy to be a centerpiece for their defense for the next coming years. But if you go back to 16 when he was a rookie, he also had seven starts that year. He put up 44 tackles, a sack, and a forced fumble. 
So as a rookie coming in and playing a middle linebacker position, that's I feel like one of it's pretty good. I feel like defensive back is probably the hardest for a rookie, but also I mean when you're in the middle, like you're the leader of that defense. Right. So to put up those numbers as a as a young guy, I feel like that's pretty good. I yeah. feel like seventy six tackles and eight starts wasn't an, an anomaly. It wasn't no, yeah. just luck. I feel like this guy has a nose for the football. Okay. And being the guy, I'm real excited to see. Absolutely, absolutely. That's uh, I honestly not a name I was even thinking about. So I like that you brought that up. Yeah, I when he was a because Green Bay was also in the linebacker free okay. agency, yeah. and he was always clear. It's like go get this guy. I I, right. I love just what he brought to the table. Uh, not like that I overly paid attention to to Bears games, but yeah, I just he was a name that like I knew. I've seen I've seen his play from highlights and things and whatnot. I just feel like he has the football smarts to be mm-hmm. one of those top linebackers. I'm really high on. Absolutely. Uh, do you go to your rookies? Yeah, so my rookies, this is also, I cheated, I put them together. You already mentioned them, not in this part, but I'm really high. I'm really excited to see what happens with Jerry Judy and Hamler over there in Denver. A lot of it hinges on on Drew Locke. I'm pretty high on Drew Locke, as I think you are too, and... But they're going to come in, and I feel like they – this is hard to say for rookies that have obviously not played a, a down in the NFL, but I feel like they become one of the best sets of wide receivers, three wide receivers. A lot of teams have great one and twos, but now I just feel like they have one, two, three, and they got it. Like they have their outside guys. They have Hamler in the on, in the slot. They have Noah Fant, who is obviously not a rookie to be in this conversation, but I just feel like – those guys, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to see what they do. So you stole what I was going to do. I was absolutely going to go Judy Hamler. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was going to say both of them, too, because obviously you got to say KJ Hamler, PSU. So I'm going to call an audible, and I'm going to go over to Oakland, who I thought had a really good draft with, okay. you know, we had Ruggs and Arnett, both in the first round. And I would say Lynn Bowden, who's sort of like the Swiss Army knife, wide receiver, running back. Um but I still think Jacobs gets most of the kids' touches there. So I'm going to go third-round wide receiver Brian Edwards. Uh, six foot three, 215 pounds. is a big wide receiver. And I think where he's going to be used, because I do think that Ruggs is going to be dangerous. You know what I mean? And you put him, him and Tyrell Williams on the outside, that's good. Brian Edwards is going to slot right there in the middle in that slot receiver role. I don't, you know, obviously, like, they have Hunter Renfro, but Hunter Renfro is a little banged up. And, you know, they have Zay Jones, but who believes in Zay Jones? Uh, um, I think that Edwards is going to be that, that slot slash fourth receiver in the rotation, uh, especially with Renfro being injured. I don't know how long Renfro is supposed to be out, but I know that he got nicked up in, in training camp. But I, I like I like the, the talent of a, you know, of a guy that's six foot three but has the shiftiness to be in the middle. And, again, I think that uh, – I think that – Oakland's offense is going to be pretty good this year. They were yeah. they were pretty good last year, not like great good, but like they were good. They were solid last year, and I think the addition of Rugs to take off the top is huge. And you get a guy like Lynn Bowden who can be sort of anywhere you need to pair with Jacobs, who's their bell cow. Uh, and then you get a guy like Edwards who can do his work over the middle. Uh, I really think that's going to be very valuable for the Oakland offense. And I know that you know we. I'm glad that you had a breakout, and then I, you know, talking about some of the rookies from them because. You know, it says we're really low on them, but like, I'm not as low on them as the bottom of the division team as I am on other teams. Like, sure. Like, I don't think the Jacksonville Jaguars are winning many games this year, but like, the Oakland Raiders could absolutely win a ton of games this year. Yeah, absolutely. So. And I, I'll I'll say this: this is semi bold. The reason I, I love that you shout this guy out, 
I just feel like I think they're probably more overall talented players mm-hmm. when I'm talking about Judy and and Hamlin. But a reason I I expect <laughs> I'm only laughing that you said Hamlin because it's Hamler. Hamler but sorry. you're no no no. But you said Hamlin because Hamlin's the name of the fake rookie receiver that I drafted in Denver in our Madden league. Oh god. <laughs> going on like 12 years yep um but i actually i i think for all of the accolades we've talked about vangio and and bradley chubb and von miller i i'm really worried about denver's secondary honestly okay i feel like they have good safety yeah. plays and they traded for bouye yeah uh, but beyond that I'm, I'm i'm a little bit worried so i feel like denver might be in some more high scoring affairs where they need to put up points absolutely I feel like that's going to allow us to see more highlights or or mm-hmm. things like when we're watching post game shows of those rookie wide receivers. Yeah, absolutely. Out and a they more. and they need the the Bruce. I mean, they have Cortland Sutton, who's a great receiver, who had breakout campaign last year. You know, and you it, like the the trio of of Sutton and Judy on the outside and Hamlet, Hamlin Hamlin <laughs> KJ Hamler in the slot is a great trio. And then you got two backs in Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon, and then you have Noah Fant right there at ten, and like everything is there for this offense to be incredible if Drew Locke plays well. And that's why it's so fascinating because I really last year was like, I mean, we were talking about Flacco and if they can turn it on, but I still thought it was a defensive team. Where now with everything, I was like, this is this is an offensive team. They have Shermer who flailed out as a head coach, but I feel like he's still a really good offensive mind. Yeah, there are a lot I of just co- feel like coaches like that. I just feel like it's it's time for Denver to be. That they're not going to be Peyton fifty-five touchdowns, but it's time for it to be that again. Yeah, absolutely, and and you you kind of need that in a division that has the Chiefs. Yeah, so like, I'm real, like you I'm want really a good excited. defense to defend it, but you need an offense that can score with them if it turns into that. Yeah. So, and I think that that you saw that in the offseason for all the other three teams. They were like, all right, let's go offense. You know, I mean, the Chargers drafted a quarterback and a new running back. The Broncos their first two picks offense. And the Raiders' first couple picks, the offense. So, yeah. like, all of them were like, we have to – it's a track meet now. I just so. feel like you nailed it. I'm I'm so excited. <laughs> most One of the most intriguing divisions. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Like, it, it's, it's interesting to say that a team that has – a division that has the defending champs that everybody's going to pick the Chiefs can be so interesting because of the other teams have the potential for breakouts. And not a lot of teams do. So – yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up the two divisional previews there. Uh, let's get to some news and notes from around the league. And we won't talk too long about this. Uh, but, I mean, obviously the big news of just today is the release of Earl Thomas yeah. uh, from the Baltimore Ravens. So I uh, got into an altercation with fellow safety Chuck Clark. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I, I don't know too much about the altercation, but apparently punches were thrown. I feel like it's not... Like, we've seen that before. We've seen Cam mm-hmm. Newton get into a fight with Josh Norman a few years ago. And, and fights in practice, I feel like, are not extremely uncommon. But for it to have been elevated and mm-hmm. this kind of measure taken, yeah. I feel like it had to have been fairly severe. Right. And I, obviously, I've been very unplugged this summer as I deleted my social media at the beginning of it. So Josh is going to become the news guy this year. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> well, you guys are about to learn nothing listening to our show. So thanks. Um... 
But yeah, I was surprised to hear that too, and I was surprised to hear that it happened so quick and they got rid of him because we talked about. I remember. Say, I'm pretty sure that the fight or the altercation only occurred yesterday, I think. Yeah. And so this has been dealt with very swiftly mm-hmm. from from Baltimore, and with everything with their language it's going into, they are treating it as if. Earl Thomas did something detrimental to the organization. Yeah. So what they're doing from from everything I've read and listened to and learned right now, they still technically owe him money for his contract, but they're going to go after that money because they're saying like that he this isn't like something where like a Baltimore is like, "Oh, well, we don't need you." It's something right. like you put yourself in this it's kind of wow. like the whole AB thing where yeah. he like the money is like the contract is signed and whatnot, but the team is saying we don't necessarily like it was it yeah. became null and void. So I'm not sure what happened exactly. I don't know the severity, but obviously it was it was pretty severe. And uh, as of four o'clock today, so obviously you're not. You guys are all listening at different times, but he has become a free agent. No team has signed him yet, but there's a lot of places you can speculate. Oh about. yeah, I mean, you know, Dallas is, sign is, a, is a popular. Oh, he's gonna sign somewhere. He's still not super young. He's on the other side of thirty, but his play is still extremely good. It would not. One of my favorite uh, memes that I've seen is the Titans are gonna sign him as a as a fullback because of the Derrick Henry yeah. like, picture. I thought that was very very funny. <laughs> so I mean, like I just said Dallas, but could you? I feel like that's low hanging fruit because they're yeah. always in talks for safety. Do you see another location you could see Thomas ending up? It's. I, I wanted to say real quick before I, I I'll answer that, but I wanted to say real quick. You know, we like to think that we know all these players and like who they are as people because we watch them every week and we hear them talk in the media. But like things like this happen and realize that you really just don't know these people because in my mind I would never see Earl Thomas as somebody who would do something like that or be involved with something like that. But like we don't know who Earl Thomas is. We thought we knew who Antonio Brown was, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere he started being crazy. Yeah. So like, I mean, there are there are different. I feel like that's very valid. I mean, some players have taken Richard Sherman took to Twitter after I was sad after see. all this happened, and he is backing Earl Thomas one hundred percent. Okay. Saying like, I mean, Earl Thomas also took to maybe I am the plugged in guy now, but Earl yeah. Thomas took to and he said he was very gracious towards Baltimore as okay. organization. Yeah, like, absolutely. For giving me the opportunity and whatnot. Right. Obviously, like they, he went there as a free agent and whatnot. It wasn't a trade. Yeah. Well, and I want to. Was it a trade? No. No, he, he went there free agency. I, I want to be. I also do want to be very clear. I wasn't trying to say that like Earl Thomas is wrong. Oh, we yeah, were wrong no. about him. I'm just saying that like. I mean, obviously, we just don't know. We that's don't know what I'm the, saying. The is like we really don't know a lot of these players the this way has that we been think something they very do. Guarded. I yeah. Mean, like they, they've talked to Harbaugh and he said we've made our statement. Okay. It hasn't really elaborated on it too much yeah. after that. Uh, but beyond that, so I still want you to answer my question. No, I will. I, I, but I, it opens the door for a guy that <laughs> we always take in Madden, Deshaun Elliott. Uh, he was a, a later round draft pick a few years ago. Yeah, they have him. But also, I mean, they have been, Chuck Clark, another guy. Chuck that. <laughs> Clark, that's another one a year. But, I mean, I feel like we don't know Elliott. Other, I mean, he's been played by a lot of injuries. Yes. Uh, obviously, we've made him pretty good in Madden. I was say, he means, becomes a superstar every time we use him. Nothing, but I feel like he's a guy that has a lot of talent and, yeah. and Baltimore is, we talked about coaching, what that means. I feel like that's just a well-run organization. Yeah. So obviously you take a hit, but this is something where maybe especially early on you see an impact, but I believe that they're going to be okay. Yeah. And I feel like they wouldn't have been so swift with the action had they not believed. I mean, like obviously there is an integrity standard and saying like mm-hmm. we don't stand for this sort of behavior and you 
you lay that down no matter what the talent is, but we don't always see that uh, from organizations and, and whatnot, but this makes me feel like this whipped action makes them feel like they believe that they're going to ultimately be okay, and so mm-hmm. and Elliot is going to be a player to watch look moving forward because of that. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, it's interesting because Earl Thomas is going to go somewhere, and the reality is it's probably going to be Dallas. <laughs> um, but like the safety position is one that is hard to project because if you don't have, at least in my opinion, if you don't have like the superstar safety, then it doesn't matter as much to me. Sure, we like, talked about. I know kinda, what you're saying. It's kind of like the running back position of the defense because in the because like running backs matter and safeties matter. Like you need good play, but like I feel that you can plug players into a system and still find production. Uh, but if you want me to give another team other than the Cowboys, I would say a team like the Colts or the Eagles. The Eagles were were my pick. I was gonna say like like I think that those are two teams that I think believe that they can contend this year. And obviously Philly's already had some injuries, and it's just I cannot believe it already. Uh, but Philly's a team that won the division two years in a row and believes in Carson Wentz, and they had you know they drafted to build around Carson Wentz more. Obviously, they haven't signed to a big Did deal. They? Well, it's a <laughs> whole debate. Um, so I think that would be a really good team to go, which would be funny that they would undercut Dallas like they did with the Dallas Goddard. We talked about a couple of years ago where they traded up to take Goddard ahead of Dallas, so maybe they just sweep under the on them and take Thomas. I think that the Colts, because I, I feel like you're going to talk about the Eagles because you said that was your pick, so I'll talk about the Colts for a second, that like the Colts would be a really good pick because I know that the Colts have Malik Hooker. But they don't really have anybody else back there. I think pairing them together would be like I think that I think that what's more important than just like having a good safety is a good safety tandem. Sure. Uh, we talk about in the Legion of Boone, it was Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas. Uh, we talk about like my team, the Buffalo Bills. One of the reasons I think that we've been so good in the boots is our safety tandem of Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde have been great together. Like you talk about you know, the Patriots where they had Chung and McCordy. Like, you, I think that great safety tandems are important. You have to have two guys that can work in conjunction with each other. So if you put a guy like Earl Thomas next to a Malik Hooker, that makes a great combo on a team that has such great – such? What am I saying? So, so I, I was going to say so much and then such, and it no, kind of rolled a, It's our new – Such it's, great. It's our new word for the year. <laughs> such. Such but good. We always have to say it like that. Okay. Such Such. great uh, defensive young talent uh, on this roster. And they believe with Phillip Rivers that they can contend this year. So Yeah, I'll piggyback off of that, though, because you're talking about Hooker. But beyond that, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Right. So that's that's not always an indicator that they no, don't believe always. in him. But a, a lot of times that means— They, they might let yeah. him walk. So maybe yeah. you do want to get somebody like a Thomas. Uh, I just thought Philly, uh, because they've obviously, other than their wide receiver— Quandries last year and the quarterbacks when it comes to playoffs and believing in Carson Wentz and his injury history, whatnot. Their secondary was a was always a question mark. So they right. went out and they they got Darius Slay, who has not always looked the best in practice. There have been a lot of videos online. I don't know if you know that, but like there have been a lot of plays of or video of him getting burned in oh, practice. That's... So people are like, he stinks, and I, I don't oh, believe that. Wow. I I still like big play Slay. But I feel like to go and get another playmaker because I really do feel like Slay is more of that than a physical corner. I think he's okay. the, the yeah. playmaker where 
I kind of Earl Thomas is very physical. We've seen it. He's yeah. not afraid to go and thump somebody. But I feel like he was always that playmaker finesse guy compared okay. to him. His I mean, like it's not really fair to Cam Chancellor was obviously the hard hitter, right? But I feel like they Cam, just Chancellor, have, I like, think Cam Chancellor played linebacker in college. Your, I think <laughs> your ball hawk guy, and and just to go back and and to say something that to clarify what you were saying because I, I really agree with you about the plug and play kind of guy. That's not to say that there aren't tiers of, of safety play. Right, I mean, you still have, like, Jamal Adams and Derwin it, Jameses. Like, you have those players. Exactly, but we were talking in person. We didn't talk about it on the air, but mm-hmm. we were talking about when, when Adams was circulating. We were talking about whether or not it was worth it for Dallas to go and throw everything at him to get him. Mm-hmm. In, in my opinion, the safeties of today aren't what some of the safeties like i feel like the ed reeds the troy palomalos those were the ones that were like game changers oh yeah where i feel like there isn't really like that right now and if in my opinion certainly would say one i think james is it i was gonna say derwin james and a lot of people would put adams and i think he's made those kind of plays but you're right like there i don't i don't see an ed reed or a troy palomalo in the league right now yeah and so i just wanted to because some people are like no i don't know it's dumb i don't don't think that's dumb at all (laughs) so well, yeah, like yeah, that's I, like news we don't know what I'm going. I was just gonna say, like I, you know, I mentioned Buffalo, and like Micah Hyde's a really good safety, and people would like he is a ball hawk. People would say that about him, but like neither him or Jordan Poyer are listed in people's top five safeties in the league. But together, they lock down that back end, and Buffalo doesn't give up good big plays because of that. And that's what I'm saying is that like I really think that the the tandem between the two is more important than ever because there's not. A Troy Polamalu or an Ed Reed in the league right now. Sure. So as of right now, uh, he hasn't signed anywhere. We'll probably that'll happen probably in the next coming days. I would assume it would happen quick. Yes. I kind of am surprised. I thought it was going to happen like immediately. Oh uh, yeah. I did. Okay. Uh, because with him, it's not anything. He's not. He didn't have to go through a waiver claim. It was nothing like that. It was right. It was just a free agent. They just cut him. And yeah. and this was being speculated that he was going to be cut. Since yesterday, okay. so I feel like a team that is interested in Dallas did their homework, and I I just expect them to pick up the phone. And okay, call. yeah, that hasn't happened yet. I think it's gonna happen soon. Um, let's move on to a couple other notes before we wrap up the episode. Uh, this is just it's not new news. It's not anything that people are gonna listen and be like, whoa, what? Uh, but we haven't ever talked about uh, the changes of the Washington football team. Absolutely. And that's really, really big news. This is – so I – this sort of news kind of marks a level of growth for me personally. And I want to point this out. <laughs> so for those of you who, who are either newer or just don't remember that, Josh and I met going to college at Penn State Barron together. And we had a class with one of our favorite teachers, Kim Young, at one point. And we debated this topic in the class. I remember. And we were, the, we were the only two defending the Washington football team's original logo. And now I have been – I mean, those of you who listen, I haven't said the other team's logo for the last year on our show. I always say the team in Washington or the Washington's team. Like I always call them Washington. And I don't make a big deal about it, but I always called them that. Yeah. So – I'm, it's so interesting to me how I went from one opposite end of the spectrum to the other because we vehemently defended calling them their logo. You know what I mean? We talked about the tradition of it and how they talked to uh, Native Americans who weren't offended by it. Although I do think that that has kind of changed in the last couple of years, obviously. Um, but obviously we're living in a, in a, in a, in a place of social change uh, where I believe – 
and I'm interested to hear your opinion on it. I believe that if we can do things that are going to alleviate pain and alleviate sort of alleviate creating contentious environments that we should be doing those things and that's why i like what they did and honestly they haven't picked a logo yet i don't really hate washington football team i know it sounds silly (laughs) but like i really don't hate that like they're the washington football team like i think that's kind of cool but i know that they probably will just pick a new logo but uh i mean i applaud (laughs) I, i know that i know that Dan Snyder more likely than not just did it for PR reasons and for uh, because you know like Nike pulled out a lot of revenue like he obviously did it for selfish reasons but I still applaud them for doing it and I'm still happy that it was done because I think that it's a great uh, symbol to communities and public that like we take this seriously even if they only really did it for revenue reasons it still signals to the community in Washington and the football fan community that like we take this era of social change very seriously and we want to do our part. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I was obviously last year. I I said the name, which we don't need to now because <laughs> I mean, what's the point? Um, but also, I just feel like. I was always in the boat that I would rather them keep it for historical purposes of the league, but be proactive for for Native American people. Okay. To to because I mean, like you said, and I I don't, I don't know recent surveys or anything or like yeah. talking to to those that 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 populace. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just feel like there could have been things where there were there was more proactive help with them. Where yeah. like now. It's not going to be immediate. Obviously, this is going to be a brand new change. Right, but right. 20, 30 years from now, people, that's not even going to be thought about where, what they were, what the team was. And it's going to give even less reason where I feel like if the the team, the organization have been proactive of being like, let's help this. Like that's, right. there's, there's going to be no point to do that now. And I, I that was where I wish they were in such a position. When I say they, I mean like owners, they're, they're, they're billionaires they are in Bro, positions yeah, I mean, to do proactive yeah, they things can do that so they, many they things. could but they don't always they do in a lot of ways some of them do yeah absolutely i just feel like it could have been something where it's like this is what we are this was originated because of this we're not going to shy away from that now let's do something good with it instead of being like this is i mean it, it in a lot of ways it's a it's a slur uh but let's work towards doing something positive with it that sounds weird but i think you know no yeah i think so i mean basically you're just saying that you know whatever with the name you're not really worried so much about the name but it's like you would rather them actually do things instead of like look we're just changing our name i feel like it was like oh we did wrong so we're gonna change it and do nothing about it you'd you'd rather them whether or not they change the name be like we're gonna do these things to actively help the Native American communities. Yeah, and now I just yeah. feel like now with the W and like they're like, That's well, fair. we did our thing and we're good. That's fair, and I hope I hope that there is certainly more than that. I'm definitely with you on that, but I do think that I do think that symbols matter a lot, and that this is gonna be a symbol for a lot of people that times are changing. You know, and we are. I think we're kind of in the minority in terms of NFL fans because. I think that there are a lot of NFL fans that are a lot less progressive than a lot of things that have been happening recently. Oh, I agree. So I'm very interested to hear people because I even had like a family member who I had that conversation with about them changing their name and they were really upset about it. And I was like, why? Like, it doesn't 
bother you other yeah, than the fact not, that it's change. So I'm I think that there'll be a lot of fans that at first will be up in arms about it, but I think for the most part it'll eventually be embraced. I hope so. And just the one thing I'm weary about, if I could be weary of anything, is I'm just worried that eventually it's gonna go too far. Okay, where, that's like, fair. the Chiefs, for example, now they're I don't know if this is true, okay. but I've read something online which is an awful source. <laughs> but they're saying they're not allowing like headdresses okay. inside the stadium or they're eliminating the tomahawk chop, which I just feel like let I don't know. I, feel I don't like know. That's I, not offensive. I definitely I don't know. I'm not I definitely say like that could be offensive. Right. I definitely I definitely would feel uncomfortable about the headdress thing because that I feel is, like that, that's that okay. Is, that is, like that is cultural appropriation, but, but you're right. Also, like, there I mean, are... like, the reason this is a very extreme example, okay, and this is never going to happen, but let's pretend we're 100 years in the future. The NFL is still a thing. It's right. good. It's not been canceled or anything. Right. But, like, let's say Buffalo are endangered. And so they're like, well, we can't, the Buffalo, we need to change it to the something else. Right, obviously that's an extreme, it's an extreme example, example, but, but I, yeah, I get can... your point. I do get your point. Uh, and I remember, you know, back when we were kid, when we were, I mean, we were kids back then. It's ridiculous. <laughs> we're like eighteen years old. We we brought up the Saints as an argument that, like, oh, you're going to change the Saints because they're talking about religion, it's religious, yeah. Uh, which I uh, again, like, we were eighteen. It was kind of a silly. But I feel like that's. But, that's not an awful. No, but you're right. Like, I do think that there's a level of it. I just think that. I haven't seen anything yet that I'm like, okay, we're going too far. Because I do think there's a level of like, you know, we talk about there's a lot going around in the comedy world in the last five to ten years about like people being canceled for saying certain jokes. And I think that, you know, we've been very much like you should be able to joke about anything. Like you should be able to make light of any dark thing. But there are always – that doesn't mean that you are immune to any backlash that you get for it. Sure. Because I do think that there are still lines that don't need to be crossed. Sure, we live in a country where you are allowed to cross them. But that doesn't mean that you don't have to deal with consequences for it. So in my mind... It's also, I feel like that doesn't... Just because you can doesn't mean you need to. Right, I, yeah. I feel like and I think, think that's important. And I think that that's the point that is important here is that, like, sure, the Chiefs could continue to allow those sorts of things and most of the part it'll probably be fine but if you have the ability to be like you know what this offends some people and we would rather not and i know you're never going to not offend somebody somebody's always going to be offended it's just the world that we live in uh you know we talked about the you know the shakespeare play i did last summer not this summer one of my favorite lines is that like you know, we become so politically correct as if we are able, ever able to become creatures unable to give offense. Like, we're always going to be offensive people. That's just what the human condition is. Yeah. But if we can eliminate large groups of people who feel ostracized and isolated from a group because of things that we do, then I feel like we should be doing those things. Sure. I so I don't disagree. No, uh, yeah. It's just a, I feel like a, a conversation. conversation. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on to uh, more news related to the Washington football team where I feel like this is – there's two pieces of pretty significant news that okay. I feel like are definitely not as good news uh, as making a good change right. for social reasons. Uh, the first – and this sounds weird saying I think it's the more important one because the one's very serious as well. But I think the more important one to me is that uh, head coach Ron Rivera was diagnosed with lymph node cancer. Yeah. Apparently it was caught very early on. Which is uh, good. It's good. It should be treatable. He's going to remain coaching on okay. the sideline. So I feel like that's obviously a really great sign. Mm-hmm. So 
I just want to say that, uh, that we obviously extend our thoughts and prayers, as much as I hate that statement, uh, to, to Coach Rivera as um, yeah, we continue on. I mean, and even, even if we weren't, we would still do that. But, like, we are big fans of Ron Rivera on the show. You know, we one of my favorite things, uh, one of my favorite stories about Ron Rivera is his relationship to Good Morning Football. I don't know if you've heard this yeah, story. They, the, they have, like, T-shirts. Well, yeah, so what <laughs> happened was, look, one of the first seasons of Good Morning Football – uh, uh, Pete Strager said was talking very critical of Ron Rivera and about something that had happened and Ron Rivera reached out to Pete privately and said hey like I don't appreciate that you did that live on air and he was like next time just come to me and talk to me I'll give you a quote I'll come on the show he was like but because he was talking about sort of like not having control of the locker room when he was in Carolina and Pete did that and he people talked Schrager talked about like how classy of a move that was for him to like not come out and bash him in the media, but like reach out to him privately and say, like, I'll come on your show and talk about it, but like I don't want you guys just throwing out accusations about the show. And the show goes better for that, I think. And they all learned and grew from that. And like now Ron Rivera is one of the best friends of the show and he comes on and they have those t shirts and everything. So like I just it, it, he's always been a class act he's always been you know a leader of men and about he's always been about you know we have our bigger than football segments and this is this is can be kind of bigger than football light because legitimately like he's always been bigger than football he's always been uh i'm gonna not only teach these men how to play football but i'm gonna teach them how to be men and cam newton talks about all the time how much of an impact ron Rivera had on his career and his growth as a human so, you know, absolutely, we, we, we're we praying for him and for his family. It's just, I mean, it's, like I said, you told me, and I was like, man, that makes me sad. And But it, it really does. And like I said, we we both been avid fans of Ron Rivera's in his career, and I think that he's a great hire for Washington. Uh, so we obviously, we, we hope the best for him. Yeah, we do. And just, I feel like the team name was probably going to change yeah. regardless, but I feel right. like Ron Rivera coming in there, I feel like he was a large proponent of that. Yeah, I, I really fully believe that too. And that just makes me like the guy even more that he stands for what he stands for. Nobody's going to knock Ron Rivera off of what he believes in. And I respect that so much from somebody, especially somebody in that level of public eye and that level of power. Yeah. The other piece of news uh, is obviously the Geis legal issues uh so he's whoa been that happened quickly too it did uh so there was some domestic assault charges that were put or uh I'm trying to think of the verb. so were they were they charges or were they accusations i don't i i, I don't pretend to be super aware of this okay situation. well i don't really know i don't know a lot I, about I don't it think i've been very unplugged as in like arrested or okay. anything but i know obviously the team has moved on from him i know okay. That's that's pretty disappointing in my opinion, not only for a humanity standpoint because we're obviously pretty, pretty well drawn on, on those sorts of issues. So we don't need to dive into that. But just as a football perspective, I he was a player that you were always super high on. I was pretty high on him coming out of LSU, and just being able to see what he was able to do on the football field if he ever stayed healthy, which we didn't get to see. But it's just pretty disappointing. I I feel like with everything that's come out, I feel like this isn't. This isn't an Antonio Brown situation. This isn't a Hill situation from a few years ago. I feel like we probably 
we, I feel like I, I'm pretty confident saying I don't think we're going to see Geis again. Probably not, especially with the situation of him being injured. You know, he never really got his opportunity to shine or or do anything. And uh, again, I don't know a lot about the situation. I haven't read a lot about it. Like I said, I've been very unplugged this whole summer. And so I don't feel super qualified to have an opinion on it. But I will say that relating back to what you said about going overboard with changing names and all that stuff, I think that we might be reaching a point where we're going overboard with accusations. And obviously, like, this ties into, like, personal things for me. But I think that I think that any more things happen so quick without any sort of discussion or conversation about stuff with nuance and context added. And again, I don't know about this. I don't know if you know more than I do right now and that you can say that and I'll be like, you know what, you're right, that's it. But I, it just seemed like it happened so fast. You know what I mean? It seemed like I heard about it and then he was gone. It wasn't like I heard about it, they said they were gonna investigate and talk about it and figure things out and then he was gone. It was just news came out and he was gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know if that's how it happened and I or or if it happened differently and I missed it, but that's what it seemed like and that feels weird to me. Uh, I don't know too much about it either, but I will just say because – I agree. It all happened very quickly and I feel like that's not something that we've seen too often in the league. But right. that makes me feel like whatever it was was pretty – I don't want to say finalized because this is a team that that picked up Foster a few years ago when he was also going through right. d- domestic – Right. Issues and he's still on the team. He still is on the team. So I feel like whatever happened for them had to have been pretty egregious. It had to have been, I think, pretty egregious, pretty clear cut. I feel like they had some sort of evidence or really strong conviction. Well, yeah, and and absolutely. I mean, you know me. I'm still that. Like, if I if I have if there's like pure like solid evidence and proof and like it's clear cut, then yeah, you get rid of people like that. Um, I mean, I'm still a believer in second chances, and that's a conversation that maybe we don't have on a football podcast. Uh, especially for for like things as intense as this can be at times, but uh, you're right. It happens so fast, and it's just like regardless taking out the situation, it's still sad to see people. Uh, somebody like guys who struggled to stay on the field and be injured all the time to also know that he has struggled with this part of his life, you know, and it's just it's hard. I, I don't want to like say the wrong thing because obviously I'm not as well informed as I'd like to be. I like to be pretty well informed on a topic before I have an opinion on it. Yeah, I didn't even um, explain that one on you. We don't have to talk about No, that. it's okay, but I just wanted to say that, you know, I agree with you. I don't think that he's going to get another job because it's different than Antonio Brown where, like, unfortunately people are able to overlook a lot of things if somebody's very talented, you know, uh, with the A-B situation. Obviously, we don't think A-B's going to get another job in the NFL. I don't know. Um, Russ is really... Uh, we'll see what happens. Russ is pulling for him. But, uh, yeah, it's just... Uh, it's a sad situation. And, you know, Washington is a young team with a, with a lot of promise over the next couple of years with Ron Rivera. And then you get the news about Ron Rivera. And then you get him gone and all this stuff. So there's certainly a team in turnover um, and turmoil. And, you know, that usually translates to another top of the draft pick next year uh but you know but they're getting alex smith back the last note i have is uh this is where i feel like i don't know too much about it but there has been a story that's come out about uh a covid scare where the 
league is obviously doing a lot of testing of their players to make sure everyone's healthy before they enter and everything. And there was a, I don't know what to call it, a batch that, uh, we'll call it a batch, where they were sent to the lab and there were a lot of false positives. And But teams are kind of rerouting, kind of re- changing up like what they're expecting. And this just goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of the episode. I feel like there are going to be things like this that happen just because there's so much about this this illness that we don't know and things like this I think are going to happen where teams have, have changed their plans and so I feel like that's just going to make like we said for a lot of unknowns this year yeah and you know we, we looked at it and it, it was just a weird story and they said you know there's been over 100,000 tests since the NFL got back into their training camps and stuff and it's less than 1% have been come back positive which is a great number yeah uh, so like one percent is a low number to begin with, but one percent out of a hundred thousand tests is incredible. Uh, that's like less than a hundred people out of a hundred thousand tests. So you know, <laughs> math. <laughs> Trying to like show off your math skills. Yeah, like, I've gotten better at math, guys. Equation earlier, so you're like, let me show off my. Listen, brain. I'm way better at math than I used to. Be. <laughs> <laughs> than I was an hour. I can do numbers now. Um, no, but yeah, I mean, we, you know, it's something that we'll have to suss out over the next couple of days. Uh, there have been reports across the country before that there have been issues with testing because, especially earlier on, but like now to have this issue seems interesting to me. Although it was out of the same hub of New York, which which was at one point a hot spot for everything. So so who's to say? Uh, but you're right. I mean, this is this is just a reminder that this is a different NFL season. I think that. For a week or so there, it really felt like nothing was different because everybody's at training camp and they're playing. Obviously, they would be playing preseason games right now, yep. which they're not. But everything was feeling like, oh, we're back to normal. Basketball's on, uh, hockey's playing, NFL's coming back. Everything started to feel a little bit normal, and then it was like, but just remember that this isn't a normal season, right? So I don't want to talk about like the health perspective of it, right. pol- political sides of it. I just think there's so much that we don't know. And like we said earlier, it's gonna it's gonna impact something, but mm-hmm. we just gotta keep being smart and enjoying what we do have, and we will all band together to be okay about it. Absolutely. Well, my friend, that's our first official episode of the season. Yeah, season three, not four. Not four. <laughs> season three of simultaneous catch is officially underway. So we do still have social media. We're trying to we're gonna trans trying to transition more to using Facebook than Twitter, uh, just because, like I said, I have been off of Twitter for a while. So you know, try to follow us on Facebook, and we've been trying to make that a public forum more and more. But another thing that we hit, we hit a milestone a couple weeks ago. We hit one thousand downloads for Ooh. simultaneous catch. So, and that's not just that's not just like listeners. That means that. 1,000 people have, like, downloaded our episodes. so they can listen to it even if they don't have the internet. Right, which is awesome. So uh, we just thank you guys for listening. Uh, We really appreciate it. Uh, Josh and I have always believed we've had a really good product. We just needed to market and get it out there. You're laughing. You don't think we have a good product? No, I think we have a good product, (laughs) but, you know, freaking Monty G didn't want to be on. Monty G. Man, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. Uh, So, yeah, uh, make sure you follow us on that. We really appreciate it. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And in the next couple of weeks, you know, we're only like, was it like 18 days away from opening game? Uh, I think it's a little more than that. Like, like Thursday night football, uh, Texans at Chiefs. But 
we're going to do our other divisional previews. You know, we'll do we did the Wests today, and then we'll do the Easts, the Souths, and the Norths, uh, and then we'll be on our way into the season. And uh, I'm just I I need football back. <laughs> Pretty darn excited. Yeah, we're almost there. Anything else? I am good. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Really appreciate it. God bless.